1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Back up to the two now for second and goal. Borgay looking left all the way. Got his man. Touchdown, Arizona State. Rush. Delora rolls. Delora will run. Delora dives. Touchdown. Moussel got down low, but Delora goes up high and puts Arizona back in front. Just beyond the 10-yard line now on second and goal. Goff for the end zone. Catch made. That's a touchdown. Abed Ross. St. Brown. more depth at the back end. And Davis drives one to the corner. That's a fair ball. Flores is home. Peterson right behind. They will stop Bailey. J.D. Davis with a two-run double. And it's 4-2 Giants. The first four have base hits in this inning against Tyler Gilbert. In the hole at third for Davis. And for the second consecutive night, an early Diamondback lead vanishes at Oracle Park. And the Giants take this one 4-2. Right-hander Grove into his windup, and he cuts it loose. And oh. this ball is smashed. Deep to right field, way out of here. Four nothing Reds for Ellie De La Cruz, his seventh home run. Well, that hit the dirt, but it hit it about 400 feet away. There's open, there's there's opportunity, and then and the question is who's going to take the bull by the horns and take it. Changeup swing and a miss. Nick Gonzalez has waved at the changeup, and now Eduardo Rodriguez starting to dial in. Fourth strikeout ends the fourth inning. Our buddy Roger Clemens used to say, he'd say, I'm not going to apologize for throwing 100 miles an hour close. Here's the 2-2. Struck him out, swinging, breaking ball down and away. Strikeout number seven for Cole. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to Thursday, August 3rd edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7, ASU and the U of A, should they leave the Pac 12 for the Big 12? The Detroit Lions, over or under nine wins in 2023. The Diamondbacks, is it too soon to get the fork out? Uh, around Major League Baseball, what team should have done more? before the deadline the Yankees not everybody in pinstripes is struggling and what else caught your eye since our last show here's today's schedule lineup on the show which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday in moments we have the introduction of today's pipeline 915 our week-long NFC North previews continue with the Detroit Lions Tim 20 man will join us from DetroitLions.com. 930 or so to be interactive action at 602 260 1060 and also the local roundup that include yet another Diamondbacks loss last night at San Francisco 
And in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, top by from the MLB scoreboard. Some interesting contests on uh, on Wednesday. And then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more phone call time. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, should ASU and the U of A leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12? And uh, Corey's here and has the early returns. Split right now, 50-50, yes and no, over on KDUS1060.com. The future of the Big 12 and Pac-12, for that matter, becoming daily topics including Wednesday when the Big Ten's reportedly discussing whether they might want to add Cal, Oregon, and Washington. Also on Wednesday, U of A football coach Jed Fish was continually asked about the U of A possibly leaving for the Big 12. Today's Twitter poll question, the 2023 Detroit Lions over or under nine wins. And uh, once again, Corey has early returns. Leading right now is under nine wins, 69.2% of the vote. Over nine wins at 30.8% of the vote over on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. The Lions, after uh, starting last season winning nine of the, excuse me, they won the, you know, actually they ended the season, I should say. They ended the season and winning uh, eight of their last 10 games. And they are actually favored to win the division in most betting locations. In fact, I think every betting location. That's certainly uh, – they haven't won a division, by the way, since 1993. Now they're favored to win a division. All right, back on the local front or to the local front or however you'd like to phrase that. How bad are the Diamondbacks? Their 7-18 and record in their last 25 games is the worst of any team in baseball over that span. Is it too soon to stick a fork in the 2023 Diamondbacks? Spanning the globe, several MLB teams were relatively quiet before the trade deadline. Some of them playoff contenders. Some of them you know, were clear sellers. So what teams should have done more before the trade deadline of Tuesday afternoon? Meanwhile, the Yankees did little, but Garrett Cole has really been great. He has not been any you – know, he's, he's not, not the reason for their bad season. Uh, is the Yankees' Garrett Cole the best pitcher in the American League? Also, in addition to all these excellent topics and questions, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, it's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 602- 260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by a 2023 Lions preview with Tim Twentyman of the DetroitLions.com website. Tim's been with us uh, for several years now. Not as many high expectations as we've seen this year for a really long time for the Lions. Also, once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. 
Also, at the bottom of the hour, we'll get to some local roundup, topped by some Diamondbacks and Giants analysis. Another dismal performance by the Diamondbacks last night in San Francisco. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Detroit Lions have not won a division title since 1993, but they are favored to win the NFC North in the 2023 season. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Tim Twentyman of the uh, of DetroitLions.com. And Tim, always good to have you. Of course, the Lions won eight of the last ten games in 2022. As I mentioned, they're favored to win the NFC North this season. Do we believe in the 2023 Lions? <laughs> Well, there's certainly a lot of excitement surrounding the team. And, and, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you mentioned it, the way they finished last year and, and, you know, the way some of the young guys, especially some of the rookies, played and were catalysts behind, you know, that success. And and now going into year two, um, you know, those guys are are core pieces, you know, as well as I do, that, you know, players usually take that biggest jump from year one to year two. So there's a lot of excitement certainly around the team. And, and look, when you look at the landscape of the NFC North, that's the first time in 30 years you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback in, in Green Bay. Um, you know, for, for the Detroit Lions to contend with between Brett Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers, it's been a handful over the last 30 years. And look, Chicago's still a young team, and, and you know, Minnesota, I think, was the, benefited from a few bounces that went their way. Look, kudos to them. But, you know, I don't think they really helped themselves in terms of adding to the roster in the offseason. So, here you go with the Detroit Lions, a young football team, one of the youngest in the league. And, um, and with how they finished last season, certainly you look to them as, as being, you know, one of those teams that's going to be right there in the end for the NFC North title. Okay. You know, Dan Campbell has the attention of America after hard knocks last year and all the energy <laughs> that he has with these press conferences. Are, are there actually moments when Campbell is like calm and like tries to muster up at the, the strength to, to reboot basically? No, I don't think there's there's ever a moment where Dan's down. You know, he you know, he, he drinks his big old you know coffees in the morning. He's ready to roll. But you know, look, he's an intense guy, right? Um, you know, former player. He's he's a player's coach. He just loves everything about ball. You know, he loves um, you know this journey starting with the guys and every season and and you know helping guys get better. Um, and that's just Dan Campbell. And so no, he certainly. Um, doesn't need anything to get motivated. Let's just put it that way. That would be true. Um, I want to start with uh, the player personnel talk, though, with the offensive line. Rarely do I do this, but they deserve it. Five first-round picks from that group. They have depth in the offensive line. Nobody has that either. Is this the best offensive line in the league? And who stands out to you, somebody who watches them every day? Yeah, it, it is. I think it's Detroit and Philadelphia when you talk about the two best offensive mm-hmm. lines in football. Um, and, and, you know, one guy that, that stands out is, is already Penny Sewell. 
you know, the first round pick from a couple of years ago. Penesu was going into his third season. He was, you know, he's already a Pro Bowler. He earned that last year. Bobby's 22 years old. I mean, the guy just turned 21. Yeah. <laughs> you know, during yeah. his second season. I mean, he's still so young. But I think pound for pound, he is probably the best athlete on this entire Lions football team. Um, he's that strong, hmm. that quick. Um, you know, obviously he plays right tackle because you got Taylor Decker here, who's you know annually one of the top ten tackles in football as well. Uh, you know, you got Frank Ragnall center, but but Penne I think is a guy who is headed towards superstardom, and I think there's going to be conversations sooner rather than later about him being the best tackle in football, right or left. Okay, the offense fourth in yards, fifth in points last season. Are you surprised that coordinator Ben Johnson stayed and did not take a head coaching job? Yeah, a little bit, but credit to him. Look, I had him on my podcast right after he made that decision, and, and he told me, look, I, I didn't feel like I was ready yet. Um, you know, I, I still have some unfinished business to do here. I was an offensive coordinator for essentially one year. Um, you know, I think I continue to learn from Dan. I love the situation here in Detroit. I love the offense. I think we're going to be good. He mentioned the offensive line as being, you know, something, you know, fun to come back to. But look, credit to him. You know, sometimes guys, you know, there's only 32 of those jobs. And sometimes, you know, they don't come around often and, and guys jump at them. But if you take a bad, bad one or you're not ready for it, it might not come around again. So credit to, to Ben for being like, hey, I just don't think it's my time yet. I, I, I want to keep getting better um, as an offensive quarter, as a coach, learn under Dan um, and how he's running this thing and building this thing, how he's turned things around so quickly. Um, and, you know, kudos to him. And, and certainly Detroit Lions fans and every player on, on that side of the ball is really happy that he made that decision because I think he's one of the bright young minds of football. What specifically stands out to you that he's done to make this offense better and get the most out of the personnel? Yeah, you know, I think he's just really creative in the way he designs plays. I, I think, first off, I thought he was really, really smart when, when he was named the offensive coordinator and he built this offense. He brought in Jared Goff, and they built it together. It wasn't, you know, hey, Jared, here are the concepts that I like. This is what we're going to do. Adapt. It was, hey, Jared, what do you like to do? What do you do well? Let's build this thing around what our quarterback does well and likes to do, and I think we'll have some success that way. So credit to him. But I think also he's just really, really creative in the way he designs um, plays um, and the way he comes back to a formation but gives a different look. I think the Jets game is a perfect example. You know, that play with Brock Wright, the 49-yard or 51-yard touchdown right there in the last minute that won the game. He ran that play in the first quarter, same formation, and he watched the linebackers, you know, suck out to the flat on the other side. And so he called the same formation, saw the same defense, but this time went back to Brock Wright, the tight end on the backside, leaking out. And so I think that's where the creative nature is. You know, he kind of just sat on that, waited till he saw it again, and then boom, you know, reacted to what the defense did. And I think we see that time and time and time again. And obviously it's, it's fun, creative, getting Penny Soul passes for a key first down against the Vikings and, and, you know, utilizing some trick plays and some fun stuff. But I think just overall he's, he's really, really one of the, the top young creative offensive minds. Tim, 20 man of, the, uh, of DetroitLions.com, currently in the sports zone. Okay, on to the quote skill players. Uh, you mentioned Goff, 29 touchdowns, seven picks last year. Might he get a contract extension? Well, he's got two years left. I think this is obviously a big year for him. Um, you know, I think one of the key stats there, too, is 324. 
wow, that's how many passes he's thrown without yeah. uh, throwing an interception. You know, I think that's where Jared's really evolved his game. Um, he's taking care of the football, and that's allowing this offense to, to kind of roll. I think, um, I think you know, he's got two years left on his deal. I think if he plays um, anywhere close to where he played, how he played last year, excuse me, you know, I think that, that extension will get done. Now, they obviously drafted Hennon Hooker um, in the third round, but he's still dealing with the ACL. They haven't really been able to see what – um, what he can do yet, but if Jared, you know, plays good football and this team wins games, is in a position to to win the North and goes to the playoffs, I would certainly expect um, Jared Goff to have a contract extension. I, th- I think so. Maybe people maybe forget that that Jared's 28. You know, we're not talking about yeah. a 32, a 33 year old quarterback here who's maybe on the tail end. Jared Goff has played a lot of football in this league, and he's still only 28 years old. So he's got a long future. If he plays anywhere close to where he did last year, I think he'll be in Detroit for a long time. The running com- running back combination from last year was Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. They're gone, uh, replaced by David Montgomery and 12th overall pick. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, um, is the new combo an upgrade? Yeah, you know, credit DeAndre and, and Jamal. I mean, you know, Detroit ran for, you know, those guys ran for over 1,800 yards and 23 touchdowns last year, you know. Um, so it, it was good, but I think when Detroit watched the film and when Ben Johnson watched the film, I think the one thing you saw in the run game was um, big play opportunities that, that didn't come about, whether it was maybe Jamal not being able to hit that hole just a second faster or DeAndre you know, not seeing something or, or following a block. You know, I think they marked a bunch of plays where they're like, wow, that eight-yard play could have been a 30-yard play or a 60-yard play, and I think that's what they'll get out of Montgomery and Gibbs is probably a little bit more explosiveness in the run game, and I think they'll still have to figure out if they can get um, you know, some of the tough yards that Jamal was able to get last year, all those touchdowns in the red zone near the goal line. You know, they hope David could give them that, but I think what they, what they are getting is a little more explosion, a little more big play potential from that run game. How much is Jamison Williams, who's suspended for the first six games of this season, how, how much does that change your outlook, expectations for the offense here? I mean, not a ton. I mean, you know, he, he's got rare speed. I mean, you know, we have to mention that. And I think defenses will play Detroit a little bit different when he's on the field just because of that world-class speed. I mean, he is a legit 4-2 guy, and it just looks different, Bob. When you watch him live, it's it's just different. And, and Jared has said the same thing, that it was one of the harder guys to kind of get on the same page with just because of the sheer speed and the way he comes out of breaks and how much farther you have to throw the ball in front of him. And you've got to throw it on the deep ball before he even gets open or you're going to underthrow him. I mean, he's that fast. Um, so you're going to miss that part of it. But, but look, you've still got Amon Ross St. Brown, who really is the number one guy here, over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards, a pro bowler last year. Everything really goes through him first in the passing game. So, look, they're going to miss J-Mo. I, I, I certainly they're going to miss, you know, the, the way defenses are going to have to play, you know, differently when J-Mo's on the field. But, you know, with Sam Laporta and the running backs that we talked about and some of the other, you know, weapons at receiver – now, um, they're going to miss J-Mo, obviously, but I don't think it's going to be as huge as maybe some people think. They're still going to welcome him back week seven, but they'll be just fine, I think, for the first six weeks without him. Marvin Jones is back. I don't know if he get, he's, he's kind of an older dude now. Can he still get those jump balls he used to get all the time? But uh, And also they drafted Iowa tight end Sam Laporta. How do those guys fit in? Yeah, Sam Laporta is the number one tight end right away. Um, he's been really, really impressive, you know. 
And look, that's a tough position for rookies to come in and, and, and be successful yeah. at right away. I think it's the second hardest position outside of quarterback to play in the NFL just because you're learning three different positions. You've got to know the run fits and the protections and just everything that goes along with playing up front. So, um, But I will say this, he's looked the part. Um, he's already stepped in, been their most consistent guy. I think he's building a nice rapport with Jared Goff. And, um, he's going to get an opportunity to play um, – very early and a lot, and I think he's going to be productive. And then with Marv, look, I don't think Marv ages. I think he found the fountain of youth somewhere or something because he looks exactly the same as he did when he was here, you know, five years ago. And, and um, you know, he's still, you know, one of those good 50-50 kind of guy, you yeah. know, pass catchers, a guy that can go up, um, get the football in traffic. Um, he's shown a little bit of that too. But, again, just another veteran guy. Um, that that Jared trusts. Khalif Raymond is another guy at 47 catches last last year for over 600 yards. Some of those key third downs down the stretch, they just, you know, they got a lot of guys like that. Josh Reynolds is another guy, kind of a veteran guy. The guy's not going to go out there and get, you know, 75 catches in 1,000 yards, but they're going to make plays, and Jared trusts them, and they can spread the ball around. They've got um, different skill sets in that receiver room, and so I think it just kind of all fits together nicely. Talking with that Tim Twentyman of uh, DetroitLions.com. Okay, so those are all great things, it appears, really good things on offense. The defense, uh, we're required to talk about the defense here. Last year they allowed the most yards in the league, 28th in points allowed. They have added a lot here. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the anchor in the secondary. They drafted Jack Campbell out of uh, Iowa, linebacker. How much better do you think this defense can be this season? Yeah, Brian Branch is another one. Um, they got in the second round that he's already yeah. making a quick yeah. impact, too. So when you talk about young guys, they've added. But, yeah, you know, they added also they added Cam Sutton, um, a veteran cornerback who's been a starter in Pittsburgh the last few years, and, and Emmanuel Mosley, who started for San Francisco at cornerback last year before he got hurt. Um, so, yeah, they, they, it, it's really a new-look defense. You know, I think the biggest thing is going to be, you know, um, how they play up front. You know, Lee McNeil has lost 13% of body fat and 22 pounds, and, and he looks much quicker. And like Aiden Hutchinson, we saw what he did as a rookie with nine and a half sacks and three interceptions. You know, he's gotten considerably stronger, and, and he's looked really good. And then Kirby Joseph with, with four interceptions. You know, they played a lot of young guys on defense, and look, they took some lumps, but I think they're going to benefit from that in the long run of, of guys young guys who got a lot of snaps who now maybe the game's slowing down for them a little bit. And, look, you, you've read the stats off off the top. The defense is what it is. But, yeah, I think you look at the first eight games of the season, they were allowing over 32 points per game. That was last in the NFL. Over that stretch where they finished 8-2, and two, that defense played much better. They allowed only 20.1 points per game. That was 11th mm. best in the NFL. And so you okay. see with how good the offense is, if they can just be marginally marginally better on defense, if they can be you know a team that's in the teens defensively, boy, Bob, this football team is going to be so much better because the offense is, is what it is. I, I think they have a chance to maybe even better. And then if that defense is better too, boy, it's going to be a dangerous football team, I think. Okay, let me throw in the special teams here too. They were much improved last season. What are the expectations from that group this year? Yeah, kicker competition. You know, Jack Fox is one of the best punters um, in the league. Got an extension uh, last year, and, and and you know, obviously, you know, one of one of the best ones in the game. Um, cover wise, they're good, but it, it, the kicker battle is really the biggest thing with special teams between um, um, Parker Romo, who last played in the XFL but has a huge leg, 
And then Riley Patterson, um, who played in Jacksonville last year, lost actually the job here in Detroit out of camp to, to Austin Siebert, uh, but went to Jacksonville, kicked made 30 out of 35 field goals, including a game winner in the last second there in the playoffs to, to help the Jags. Um, they moved on from him, so he's back in camp. So, look, it's a good battle between him and Parker Romo. So that's probably the biggest thing with the special teams is just seeing who will be the kicker um, in 2023. Okay, so let's assume the Lions win the division. Who is most likely to make a run at them? Oof. You know, I, I, I feel even without, you know, the quarterback situation, I, I, you know, Green Bay still has some young weapons offensively. Um, that defense I really do like. I, you know, I think in the end it'll still be Green Bay. Um, if, if, if Love can um, you know, just manage the offense, not turn it over, um, you know, keep things moving, I think defensively you know, they're one of the better teams in the NFC. And so you know, I think when it comes down to it, I think it'll still be kind of Detroit and Green Bay right there in the end. Okay, so the 2023 Lions, the consensus win total is nine. Uh, I'm sensing over nine wins here from you. Yeah, you know, I think I think there'd be some disappointment in Allen Park if this wasn't uh, at least a ten-win football team, and and you're talking about really meaningful games at the end of December that could, um, you know, mean a division title. Um, I think ten eleven is probably internally the expectations here, just with what they have in the landscape of the division. Tim, great talking to you all the time. Um, dear, I, I think we both know it's it's really painful to watch some not good teams. So I'm happy for yes, you that it, it looks like you're going to be watching, <laughs> you're going to be watching a really good team. I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be covering a team that is not favored to win any game this season of their 17. So they have uh, been so, there, and you know, you guys had a run there, yeah. and you know, sometimes you yeah. kind of got reload, and that happens in the NFL. I've, I've been there it certainly, is, Bob. It is a painful experience. Okay, Tim, I appreciate it. Have fun. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. You too. Tim 20 man from DetroitLions.com. I'm generally happy for Tim because he's watched some bad football for a few years. For instance, the Lions haven't won an NFL championship since 1957. That's the year I was born. Meanwhile, the Lions uh, have not won a playoff game since 1991. And to repeat from the start of the segment, they haven't won a division since 1993. little schedule analysis here. Their first two games, I'm a little concerned that the first two games might kill some of this momentum that we had at the end of last season and throughout this offseason. Their first two games are at Kansas City. That's obviously the first NFL game of the year. The Lions uh, get the national television opponent for the defending champions, so... I don't even know what network that game's on. Whatever network that game, maybe NBC, whatever network that game is on, they certainly like the Lions. I'm sure there was some consulting from the NFL office as to who would you like the Chiefs to play in that first game. Uh, so that's the first game. The second game's at home against Seattle. And uh, I think that's an interesting game, too. We think Seattle's going to be pretty good. They have a stretch, though, uh, from they have a stretch of four out of five games on the road, and it's in the month of December. And that's a I think that's the worst time to have a schedule like that because you know teams and players, et cetera, are a little worn down physically and mentally by the time they get to December. The four out of five games from December third through December thirtieth, they have games at New Orleans. They're going to be good at Chicago. I don't think they're going to be good, but it's at Chicago. 
That's outside. Remember, the Lions are an indoor team. Home against Denver, who knows. At Minnesota, I think they're going to be okay. And then at Dallas, that is a brutal stretch of five games. Not good to have four out of five on the road at any point. As I mentioned, I think it's even more difficult for teams in December. And that's a very, very difficult schedule strength. Okay, our NFC North previews conclude on Friday with the Minnesota Vikings. Matthew Kohler scheduled to join us. And uh, we'll get the latest on the Vikings, which, uh, you know, a lot of people thought they were, quote, lucky last year. They did have some things go their way, as, as Tim mentioned. But they earned a lot of those wins last year. Uh, they've had a, quite a bit of turnover on defense, so we'll check that out tomorrow. All right, next segment today, it is phone call time. Didn't have much time yesterday. We got time today if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. Also, today's local roundup, that'll be topped by another Diamondbacks loss. And where was Tommy Pham on Wednesday? Uh, we'll get to that, too. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. If you're on hold right now, we'll get to you momentarily. First up on to some local roundup here. The Diamondbacks have baseball's worst record, all of baseball, over the last 25 games. They were 7-18 in those last 25 games since july the first they've gone from 16 games above 500 to three games ahead of the dodgers at that point to now five games above 500 and seven games behind the dodgers in the loss column that's a massive turn in roughly a little more than a month plus and remember there was an all-star break in there too so they didn't play for like four days right now the diamondbacks are not even a wild card team last night it was once again very little offense some more bad base running and a 4-2 loss at San Francisco. San Francisco, in fact, is now three up on the Dodgers in the loss column. Meanwhile, the uh, Diamondbacks scored twice in the first inning. They had a decent debut from Slade Chicone. That's the greatest first name of all time. I want to come back. If I, you know, if we do that, you know, if I come back in another life, I want to be my first name. I want to have Slade as my first name. That's outstanding. Anyway, he was okay. Uh, but that was about it on the positive front. The first inning in uh, Slade Ciccone. Uh The Diamondbacks, after scoring two runs on three hits in that first inning, they didn't get a hit until the sixth inning after that. They got shut out in the final eight innings of the game. They only had two hits over the last eight innings. Logan Webb, the Giants' ace, has now beat the Arizona for three times. Uh, he beat them for a third time this season. Shikoni uh, pitched four to th- two thirds innings in his major league debut. Two runs, four hits, one walk. Only struck out one. Not a lot of swing and miss, but on the bottom line, he was okay. Where was Tommy Pham? The Diamondbacks acquired him. If there's a medical issue or something going on, I apologize, but he's now scheduled to play today uh, for the first time. There were several players traded on Tuesday in Major League Baseball who debuted with their new team on Wednesday, including uh, the Marlins duo of Josh Bell and Jake Berger, who combined for six hits in the Marlins' 9-8, 9-inning win, or excuse me, extra-inning win against the Phillies last night. Uh, so um, if they could have used family, any bat in the lineup right now, that would be helpful. 
Meanwhile, uh, by the way, the Marlins with that win last night, they're one game ahead of Arizona in the wild card standings. If Arizona misses the postseason by one game, remember August the 2nd when the Marlins got contributions from Bell and Berger and the Diamondbacks offense struggled again without the absent fan. Meanwhile, up next today, the Diamondbacks tried to escape San Francisco with a four-game split. The Giants confirmed last night after the game that today is a bullpen day. Scott Alexander, who is 6-1 with a 3.13 or run average, will be the starting pitcher. The Diamondbacks scheduled a counter with Brandon Fott, 0-4 with an 8.20 earned run average. And since Fott is pitching, that that uh, can just, just you know, what we've seen this year, that means it could very possibly and most likely will be a bullpen game on both sides today. On in the phone lines we go, Vince in Phoenix. Hi, Vince. Hi there. Uh, in light of what appears to be going on in college sports and with uh, well, particularly what I've read and then hearing guests on the Dan Patrick show today, it was Pat Forty, uh, predicting pretty much about, um, well, in particular, the Arizona schools heading to the yeah. Big 12. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, a question for you. Does it benefit one of the two Arizona schools more than the other to go to the Big it 12? It does. I think it clearly benefits the University of Arizona much more than ASU. Because uh, of basketball? The U- that's 100% why. The Big 12 wants the U of A because of basketball. They could the, the Big 12 could give a damn about the U of A and ASU football programs. They could care less. Uh, yeah. And ASU has not done enough consistently over the years basketball-wise to get their attention. The Big 12 has been the best basketball conference in the country at least the last two or three years. And you can make a case for maybe longer than that on the average. Uh, right. They clearly, they there's no question that they want the U of A, and that's almost strictly for basketball. Maybe some other sports too, but definitely number one on the list is, uh, you know, they're bat, they, they they they're the kings of college basketball right now. That conference, and they're never going to challenge the SEC. Uh, they're not going to challenge the Big Ten financially, but you know they have uh, they're the champions of basketball as far as their conference goes. And adding the U of A would be a massive coup for them to just add another big-time program. I will also say, though, I'm not sure if the U of A, last last two years, their basketball team, which was good in the Pac-12, I'm not so sure they would have even been in the top, uh, up the, uh, the the first division in the upper half of the Big 12 if they actually played, they had to play those conference games that they played. You know, they, they just beat up on Pac-12 teams. Uh, I don't know how many games they're going to win the Big 12 basketball-wise, but financially speaking, uh, the way that the Pac-12 is going anyway, UCLA leaving, so there's no U of A-UCLA rivalry after this year. And if I saw the schedule right, they only play one time this year? Uh, that that's, that'd be the stupidest – I shouldn't say stupidest. That'd be one in the continuing series of ignorant ideas and, and things by the Pac-12 if those two schools only play once the final year in their conference together. Yeah. In, in football, it'll be like bringing in a lot of, well, I mean, I guess in a way you could call them non-conference opponents. I mean, you'll have West Virginia, Iowa State, uh, Cincinnati, yeah, I mean, it, it does. I don't think it really matters for the U of A too much football-wise. Let's face it, 
uh, they've never even been to the Rose Bowl, and they've you know, they've true. had some op- they've they've had some opportunities. ASU, since they joined the Pac-12, has had a couple of pockets of good, a uh, couple of good seasons here and there, but they haven't been consistently good in the in football in the Pac-12 either. And literally, that's the late '70s when they joined, so they've gone through a million coaches since then, and uh, they've had very little impact in the Pac-12 football-wise since they joined the Pac-12. Yeah. So, and and as far as uh, they're, they're talking about possibly. The Big Ten growing to twenty teams. Uh, Correct. After, after well, gonna, it's going to be. I, yeah, I, I'm sure I said this last year, but this going to be. There's going to be two or three super conferences and sports in a matter, uh, a short matter of time here. It's going to be the SEC, the Big Ten, maybe the Big Twelve, and that, that that might be about it. Yeah. Everybody else can find in Notre Dame. You can find your own conference. The ACC looks like it's dissolving. Florida State's uh, the administration; yeah. they want out, so yeah. it, it's a it, it's a mess. But so is, I so actually think old. I think in the long run, long run for entertainment purposes, I think it'd be a good thing because I quite frankly don't need to watch all these garbage teams play every week and their so-called Division One teams. I don't care. I don't need to see that. I'm just uh, this point in my life, I just want to see good games, and I see way too much bad college football on Saturdays. Yeah, and plus you have a lot to worry about this fall with that powerful Michigan team. No, that don't bring that up. Come on. So, <laughs> well, they certainly raved good, about it at Big good, Ten media days. About we could how, we could bring uh, bring up the ten years the ten years before the last two years. Let's bring that yes, up. So, yes. <laughs> okay, but anyway. I, 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 okay, Vince, I appreciate it. Thanks, I appreciate. Thanks, thanks for calling. Thanks, good stuff. All right, one other quick thing here. The Dodgers is expected. Uh, they pummeled the lowly A's last night. Betts hit another home run. He's got 29. Freddie Freeman is uh, went three for four last night. They beat the Athletics 10 to one. Tony Gonsolin was even good, and that has not happened that often this season. Uh, he uh, shut down the mighty A's. Uh, they also got some good injury news at the Dodgers. I think. I mean, this is weird. Like 24 hours ago, they're talking about J.D. Martinez going on the injured list. Then yesterday, he goes through a full workout, or he's expected to do Sorry, he's going to go through a full workout today. Might be available to play this afternoon. So, what's up? I have no idea what's going on there, but that's the latest. So, if anybody's actually still paying attention to the National League West standings and the Diamondbacks' perspective, they are seven games behind in the loss column now. Seven games behind the Dodgers in the loss column the Diamondbacks, 52 losses now. The Dodgers step just 45. And the Dodgers aren't even playing well. They've only won five of their last 10 games. But the Diamondbacks, have, uh, as I mentioned, uh, they've lost a ton of games here lately, including seven of the last 10. And uh, as we kind of started this segment, the Diamondbacks' worst record in baseball now over the last 25 games, they've won seven of them. All right, next segment, we'll wrap up the sports zone with the National Roundup, some baseball games from last night. We'll start with that. Time pending, we'll get into a few other items, uh, including, I'm going to try, I'll say this now in case I don't have time. Cooper Cup went down with a hamstring injury on Monday for the Rams. Yesterday, we didn't have much of a report because the Rams didn't offer anything. It's been since reported by ESPN. He's going to miss several weeks. But apparently they expect him to be back for week one against uh, against the Seattle Seahawks at Seattle on September the 10th. 
So we'll try to get to as much as we can in the next segment. Don't forget the extra point hosted by Kayla. That's coming up from 10 to noon, and that'll include more phone call time, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. We're back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. The Marlins won a wild game last night against the Phillies. In fact, I quit watching this game uh, when Miami was uh, trailing 5-0 in the bottom of the sixth inning. And I didn't even know until after the game that they had won the game. Uh, crazy game. They were way behind, as I mentioned, 5-0. They tied it in the ninth. They tied it in the 10th after the uh, Phillies scored. The Phillies scored again in the 11th. And then the Marlins won it in the bottom of the 11th inning last night. They're currently playing again uh, as we speak. It just started. They're in the third inning. And uh, JT Rio Muto has hit a home run. The Phillies lead 2-0. And the Phillies, as we speak, have runners, plural, on base. Meanwhile, the Blue, uh, Brewers blew a game in Washington yesterday. They made two errors and uh, gave a, you know, there was a blue pit. Devin Williams didn't get it out, but it was far from his fault. So Milwaukee, which began the game a half day ahead of Cincinnati in the Central. Uh, the, uh, the Reds lost last night again to the Cubs. Uh, so uh, it was a, you know, the, uh, the Brewers have lost you know, five out of six on this road trip to Atlanta and Washington. So that's not going too well for them. The Angels, well, yeah, Lucas Giolito was destroyed. Uh, destroyed yesterday. We mentioned this while it was going on during the extra point. Acuna, Riley, Olsen all took him deep. And uh, the, uh, the uh, Braves defeated the uh, Angels yesterday 12-5. Giolito just got torched in this game. Uh, the Angels are now 3-4 and four since they decided not to trade Shohei Otani. How's that going for him? Garrett Cole has allowed now, he's actually been, you can make a case that he's been the best pitcher in Major League Baseball this year, starting pitcher, but, you know, just here's a little statistical background here. He's allowed a, a Major League best two earned runs or fewer in 19 starts this season. Nobody's been better than that. Last night, the Yankees won with him on the mound. Giancarlo Stanton homered and drove in four runs. That's a miracle in itself. And Cole was a starting pitcher. More bad news for the Rays. Shane McClanahan, who's had back problems, uh, he was awful last night. And then it turns out that he was re-injured at some point or maybe was pitching injured or hurt before the game even started. They got five runs off of him in the third inning. And it was a disaster. And the Rays look like they're a sinking ship right now in uh, you know, New York City right now, but obviously in St. Pete. Uh, the Yankees just two and four since Aaron Judge came off the injured list. All right, NFL, we told you about Cooper Cup. He's going to miss several weeks with a hamstring injury, but expected to be back for week one. Uh, that's September the 10th for them at Seattle. The NFL is also likely to suspend uh, Saints running back Alvin Kamara. Uh, he's reportedly expected to be suspended for a, you know, some portion of the season. He had a fight in Las Vegas in 2022. They never had a legal process on that, but now since uh, last uh, since last season ended, there has been that. So he's going to get suspended for at some point this season. Don, uh, Bo Bichette 
Yesterday we were pretty vague because the uh, Rays were vague. They called him day-to-day, and there were multiple reports out there yesterday morning that Bichette was going to land on the injured list. Well, on Wednesday he did get placed on the injured list with right patella tendonitis after he uh, injured the knee and just stopped running from first to second base earlier this week. So that's a big blow for them if he's going to miss any time. He's going to miss at least 15 days. Or excuse me, 10 days in his case. He's not a pitcher, so 10 days. The Cubs announced on Wednesday that Marcus Stroman's been placed on the 15-day injured list with right hip inflammation. He was unbelievable to start the season. He had 14 consecutive quality starts. Then they had that series in London, and he's been awful starting that series. Starting with that series in London, his earned run average was 228 on July 25th. It's now 385, so he's been shut down. Also, the uh, White Sox rushed uh, Liam Hendricks back from his you know, battle with cancer. Now he's out for the rest of the season, I'm guessing partly because they rushed him back. He's headed for Tommy John surgery. In fact, I think he already had Tommy John surgery earlier this week. He's obviously out for this season and most likely for a large chunk of next season. All right, that's the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp for today. Stay tuned. The Extra Point with Kayla is coming up next, including more phone call time, 602-260-1060. Thanks for listening and stay tuned, everybody.